Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into the great Christian thinkers and wrap up our reflections of the great Christian thinkers. Uh, This is a sad day for me because this is the last time that John O'Hare will be with me in studio reflecting into the great Christian thinkers. And by wrap up, I mean a look back, a look back into maybe some of the things that we learned here on Seeds of Truth on this Monday evening so that we might be better Christians and Catholics for it. So with that, I do uh, welcome John in studio with me. John, great to have you with me another evening. Well, it's been great to be here these past two and a half years, Joe. Yes, Thank you. Yes, 28 months, John. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. You know, this Monday, of course, is what? The Feast, the Solemnity of Our Lady of the Assumption. So we invoke um, her presence here with us in this studio as we are mindful of all of those great Christian thinkers that had a great devotion to um, Our Lady the Assumption. John, last time we were together and we left the studio, I had given you a homework assignment, <laughs> and that homework assignment was, what is that one figure that you learned most about over the course of the last 28 months? And I kind of took ownership of that same homework assignment, and so um, we're going to talk about that in a bit, but I thought it would be good to kind of come full circle with some of our reflections. By way of opening to the great Christian thinkers, we talked about how we ought to think about history, right? That we shouldn't be so focused on the chronology of it, but more on the chirology of it, if you will. What is chirology? Well, it's simply the study of God's time. Chronology is the study of man's time. When you talk about chirology, you talk about purpose-driven time, grace time, how grace is working and moving inside of human hearts right? And how ultimately the Holy Spirit inspires man to do great things. This is why John Paul II says that history is just not a random series of chronological events, but an event of freedom where man chooses right from wrong, good from evil. And so through the prism of men and women through the ages, making individual choices, we have come to better understand how God has shaped human history and in turn, how man has responded to God shaping human history. Now, when we have had to, we have hit the pause button, right? Yes. And we have talked about some of the important events in history, right? If it's uh, the Edict of Milan, if it's the Protestant Reformation, maybe the uh, the Crusades. I know we, we took time out for about three weeks to talk about the Crusades. Certainly, we have made a point to talk about all of those important events in history that we might be familiar with so as to become more familiar with them. So all very important when you talk about how to better understand history. I live in a community, and I take a sense of who I am from the community around me. Mm-hmm. And the community around us right now, the United States of America, is a rather divided country. We mm. all are aware of that. So grace, but my grace to a degree, depends upon the community that I live in. I mean, of course, we can all select groups within the community belong to, but a lot of the grace that I try to get from God um, 
happens within the community that I live, and it mm-hmm. is within there that I have my free choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard the story from the great divorce mm. where the bus goes up to heaven for, yes. <laughs> for a, a day of rest for the people in hell. One of C.S. Lewis's and, great yeah, ones, and, yeah. And one of the guys, uh, one of the big angels, sees a, uh, a little uh, kind of like a lizard on this guy's shoulder and says, you want me to take it off? I don't know. I kind of like Later, we said, well, you want me to take it off? Well, I, is it, you will like it? No, I don't like it. But, but remember, he's, it's your choice. Do you want me to take the thing off of you or not? Yes. Oh, he says, yeah, take it off. So he takes it off, and this guy in hell feels a great sense of freedom. The deal is, the angel says, do you want me to take it off of you? And we have to choose. And in this great free will, our choice, uh, we live within this community. And um, so uh, I don't know quite where I'm going with this, but these saints— have been a big influence on me. For example, St. Polycarp, going way, way back. Yeah. What an example that guy is. Didn't try to run away. Well, he ran away slightly. when He went, went to somebody's house sure. and gave himself up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was martyred in a rather ugly way, burned. And uh, did it well in late for Christ. And yeah. think of the people he influenced. Wow, St. Ignatius of Antioch from him. Yeah. As well as... Um, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, I believe. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. I mean, what I hear you saying, John, is that as we study the great Christian thinkers, one of the things that we have become more familiar with is how God gives us the grace and the strength necessary to counter the evil in the, the times we live in and even within the particular communities that we live in so as to witness to the truth of Jesus Christ, even if that means laying down your life so as to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And what greater witness is there than to conform yourself to the very crucifixion of Jesus Christ? I do think that's a very important point because every saint is a saint because of the way in which they said yes to the crucified Christ in the light of the times they lived in and the times that maybe persecuted Jesus Christ. You know, we talked about St. Maximilian Kolbe, another very important figure yes. who we have come to know a great deal more recently because not only was it his feast day yesterday, of course, but also in this year of mercy, there has been a great emphasis on his story, the man who gave his life for another in the concentration camp of Auschwitz in 1941. Um, so his sanctity and his holiness became all the more pronounced because of the particular situation that he found himself in. And God gave him the grace and the strength necessary to overcome his human limitations. Something we ought to speak to here, John, when it comes to these great Christian thinkers and these great men and women, these great saints, is that they understood well that God's love is limitless, right? What do I mean by that? I am someone who is overwhelmed by water. And by that, I mean large bodies of water, the ocean, the sea. When I'm out on a ship or a boat or a cruise liner, I'm just intimidated of water. It's very hard for me to go out there. Scientists tell us that 80% of the world is made up of water. And you know, John, what's most fascinating is that it's still only 80%, right? It's limited. My wife and I went to the coast recently, and I love to be on the sand, as long as I'm not in the water, right? I love yeah. to be on the sand. As far as the eye can see to my left and as far as my eye can see to the right was what? Sand. It would take me a lifetime to count the billions of grains of sand. And yet, it's still limited. Yes. Right? John 3:34 says, My spirit is not limited. It is not rationed. It is not portioned. 
it is 100%. I am not like a spigot handing my love out, God says. I give to you everything. And the saints understood that well, John. The great Christian thinkers, all of the men and women, women we have been talking about, understood that well. And that's another lesson I've learned. They understood that their love minus God was limited. But with God, it was limitless. They could do great things. And this is, I think, again, a great lesson that we learn from the likes of a St. Polycarp of Smyrna. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what a dramatic story, right? Uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who died in a very similar way to uh, one St. Polycarp of Smyrna. St. Irenaeus of Lyon. I mentioned St. Maximilian Colby. We could be here yeah. all day bringing back some of the names we have talked about. Now, I know, speaking of names, John, there was one in particular that touched your heart. You spoke of St. Cyril of Jerusalem. Yes, Saint I like St. Cyril. I, I, well, I liked a lot of those older guys, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. Now, what gets me a little bit about St. Cyril of Jerusalem is you go through this huge persecution, beginning with Nero, and it comes to an end with the Edict of Milan. Yeah. And things begin to a little, little bit better. And then yeah. Constantine dies, and I mean, by golly, pretty soon you've got all this trouble coming. I mean, there yeah. just is no rest in this world. No, no, no. And not. along comes this Arian heresy, which is really taking things over. Jesus is not really God, he was quite a guy, but, and this was the heresy, and it had to do with the Blessed Virgin, she really didn't give birth to God, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and he really struggled with her, not only at the Council of Ephesus, but the one after that, Yeah, yeah. and uh, going back to Constantinople, and uh, boy, he was very good, I mean, he's not one of the biggest saints, but he's big to me, because he just stuck to the principles of the faith, thanks to the Holy Spirit and the grace, we kept mm-hmm. that heresy from taking, that was probably the worst heresy the Church has faced yes. until the Reformation. Sure. John, it, what's fascinating about St. Cyril of Jerusalem, for me, among his many um, insightful catechetical homilies, was the fact that of his 37 years of being Bishop of Jerusalem, 16 of those years were in exile, John. Yep. Were in exile for him defending the fact that Christ was fully divine, and him defending that, yeah, the Holy Spirit was divine, okay? He's defending the divinity of the Trinity, and he is sent into exile for 16 years. Yeah. Right? Imagine what social media would do to him today. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, in this case, a human being, he has no idea how his life is going to end. He knows, boy, this is a pain in the neck. I'm in exile again for what? How long has it been now? How many months? And I know that what, what I'm trying to preach is correct, yeah. And yet here I am. How is this? You know, he has no, none of these people know how it's going to end. Yeah. We don't know how it's going to end. We just know the difficulty we got today. Yeah. And he stuck with it. We know how it ends in the context of we win. We yeah. just don't know how our life ends right, yeah. when God calls us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I too was struck by St. Cyril of Jerusalem because we don't know how it ends. And yet he was faithful to our yes. Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, he, was. he embraced the truth of Jesus Christ and he embraced. <laughs> the truth that is the love of Jesus Christ. And he embraced them until the end. And this is why we know him as really one of the great Christian thinkers, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. I-, I had mentioned his catechetical homilies, homilies that I've become quite familiar with and in being involved in catechesis. And again, we could be here all evening regaling about his catechetical homilies. I'm remembering a line right now from one of his homilies where he said, you know, just give up your sin and let God surprise you. Huh. Just give up your Boy, sin. That's a good line. Yeah, yeah, just give up your sin and let let God surprise you. Yeah. And I tell you, John, we read about how to do so many things 
and then we never actually do it because when we read about it, we're just kind of maybe intimidated by it or we become more hesitant over time and we just don't do it. There's that sense of, and I know I'm going to sound like I'm a commercial for Nike, but we just need to do it. (laughs) In the Christian faith, we just need to do it. And what St. Cyril of Jerusalem would, would say to us in relationship to sin, just give it up. And let God surprise you. I love the other half of that. Let God surprise you. Because when you detach yourself from all of your attachments to sin, you will make yourself available for God in a way that one could never imagine. And and there's a certain sense of uh, excitement about that, John. And certainly this is a line that has been echoed by John Paul II, Benedict XVI, even recently, as recently as yesterday, Pope Francis. So it's something we need to be attentive to. You know, just give up your sin and let God surprise you. Um, We just need to say, you want to know what? Today, this moment, I'm going to say no to that sin. And in saying no to that sin and saying no to that attachment, I'm going to say yes to God. Because behind every no is immeasurable greater yes. Yes to God. Very good. Thank you for explaining why I like St. Cyril. You're so much, John. I appreciate that. Yeah, Yeah, but I just like the way he stood up two things, and many of our saints stood up two things. I could just throw another one in. Oh, please do. He's Congar, who Mm. we recently talked about. Yes. Here was a gentleman who went through, um, I mean, he's not a canonized saint, but he was quite important, uh, particularly in his comments on the liturgy at Vatican II. But here was a a priest who went through... um, a lot of times when he was not popular with the church. He went through yeah. his own exile, John. Another exile, man who yeah. went through his own yeah. exile, yeah. And it was over liturgy. I mean, we're not talking about doctrinal stuff. He was never anywhere close to excommunicate, anything like no, that. No, no, no. He just was uh, kind of in disfavor with the uh, with various authorities within the church. But he uh, kept it up. He was very holy, you know. His contributions to Sacrosanum Concilium are huge. And his notes on Vatican II are as valuable as Madison's uh, notes on the Constitution, Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah well said, John. Really, yeah. For our listening audience, Sacrosanctum Concilium is the Constitution on the liturgy. Yes. Right? That was the, the first document proclaimed from the halls of Vatican II. And yeah, you know, we said it a few months ago, if it's not de Lubach, uh, if it's not Ratzinger himself, Benedict XVI, then it might be Congar, you know, the, the most oh, important yeah. theologian there present at Vatican II. He had a huge impact, and he had a huge influence on a number of of those documents. So Kunkar was very important. As it relates to my homework assignment, John, um, I was deeply moved by St. John of Avila. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be honest with myself and really answer the question um, truthfully, you know, who is the one saint that I learned most about? It would have to be St. John of Avila. I shamefully knew very little about St. John of Avila. Me as well. E- even since Benedict XVI declared him Doctor of the Church back in 2012, and not only was I deeply moved by St. John of Avila, but struck by some of the facts about his life, to the least of which was the people who he was in company with, John. And I'm just not talking about friends, but also those who he was giving spiritual direction to. I mean, you have uh, St. Francis Borgia, St. John of God, St. Ignatius of Loyola, of course, uh, the Carmelite St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross— he was very close with St. Peter Alcantara, who was the spiritual director to St. Teresa of Avila. Um, in our treatment of St. Teresa of Avila, we emphasized how St. Teresa of Avila looked up to St. John of Avila, how her works needed to go through the spiritual yes. master. Who was the spiritual master? Not John of the Cross, yeah. right? But St. John of Avila. A lot of us, I think, mistaken St. John of Avila actually for St. John of the Cross, two different no, people, yes. right? 
So St. John of Avila had a huge influence upon 16th century Spain and upon many great Christian thinkers. And here's a man, John, who was obedient to the church, obedient to the Spirit speaking through the church and, and through his own bishop because he wanted to be a missionary in Mexico. Yes, he right? did. That's right. He wanted to, to be a Jesuit. Again, he was very close with St. Ignatius Loyola. Oh, I, and I had forgot to mention, oh, by the way, St. Francis Xavier, who he held company with and he was very close with. And, and again, he, in many ways, was their mentor. I mean, this is the kind of giant we are talking about, and yet still we don't know him. He, he was going to be a missionary to Mexico, and his bishop said, no, I want you to stay home. I want you to be... I want you to make your presence known here in Seville, Spain, and the surrounding area. And boy, did he make his presence known. And his heart, John. Here is a man who inherited a fortune. And what does he do? Build a great big house for himself? Buy land? No. He gave all of his money to the poor. So a a man who was an engaging preacher, a winsome spiritual director, and a very wise confessor, a man, really, John, that uh, transcends for me. There's something about him that transcends, because when you talk about what we need more of today in 2016, we need better preachers, we need more spiritual directors, and we need more wise confessors. And certainly, I think this day is a day that we really need to renew devotion to St. John of Avila. And make no mistake about it, John, alongside of St. Hildegard of Bingen, who on the same day he declared doctor of the church, that is Benedict XVI, did he declare St. John of Avila doctor of the church? And for a good reason, that we might pay closer attention to who this man was and ultimately start to take up his, his writings and you know, study his writings. Pope Benedict, and I love Benedict XVI. I consider uh, myself to be a Benedict XVI Catholic. I mean, yes, I'm, yes. Okay, so anyway, Amen to that. When he declared St. John of Avila doctor of the church, I said to myself, who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along I'm, with the Universal yeah, Church, right, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I bet you there was all kinds of pressure on Benedict XVI to name this person, this person, mm. this other person. And um, Good point, John. And, and Good point. St. John of Avila. Now, why don't you tell me what you were going to say, what you told me before the show began? I mean, I want to give oh, away our yes. show prep, but yeah, no, no, up, yeah. no, sure. Yeah, if you go back to all of the doctors of the church since Vatican II, who are they? Well, 1970, uh, Pope Paul VI declared St. Teresa of Avila on September 27, 1970, doctor of the church, and six days later, St. Catherine of Siena. Yep. Okay? And then comes along John Paul II, who declares St. Therese of Lisieux doctor of the church in 2007. And then, Benedict XVI, with the two we just mentioned, St. John of Avila and St. Hildegard of Bingen. And then after that, we have St. Gregory of Narc, who Pope Francis declared doctor last year. What do these six doctors of the church have in common? They're all mystics, John. Right. If you go to any Catholic dictionary, you're going to have mystic next to the name. And this is something I think is very, very important because this is something, again, we need to rediscover in our own life. I mean, we all have, to some extent, mystical experiences. And by that, I mean having a, a spiritual encounter with God that cannot be explained rationally, uh, that cannot be explained just by human reason. We have to apply faith to it. And out from that spiritual experience, that spiritual encounter with God, arises this keen conviction to now live in an extraordinary way within ordinary life. You see, the mystic never, John, just looks at something, but looks into it, through it, and begins to perceive a new depth dimension beyond it. The mystic sees the river beyond the river, the the mountain beyond the mountains. That's the mystic. 
But here's the snag and what the church wants us to see. By our baptism, we are incorporated into the very life of God. In other words, John, in our baptism, we become mystics. And when we are confirmed in the church and we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we are given all the gifts we need to build up a mystical relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you devote yourself to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the mystical life is a natural outgrowth of that, John. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that, that's a very hard concept to get across, particularly in our age, which, in which scientism, that oh, would be the worship of science, yes. has, uh, has some hold. Now, a lot of scientists don't buy it, but I mean, sure, some sure. non-scientists do. And yeah, very interesting that these mystical people are the ones who are the current doctors of the church, because it's a hard concept to get around. And uh, I mean, I love those Carmelite saints, mm. and but I'll tell you, they are—they're tough. I mean, read Saint Teresa of Avila's autobiography, her first book. Yes, it is a little bit like reading some of James Joyce's stuff. I mean, it's just yeah. it's a little bit out there. I might it, recommend a few books, John, as you mention the autobiography in, in terms of just grabbing hold of some of these figures that we mentioned, and, and that's uh, Dan Burke's Thirty Days with Saint Teresa of Avila. Oh. Uh, it's a good one. Dan Burke is the author of uh, Navigating the Interior Life, which was the number one book sold in 2012. It won a number of, of, of awards, it even sold more books than Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and so there's some insight to be gained, John, so as to better understand the mystical life, which really is, is the life of desiring God. Uh-huh. When we use the phrase the spiritual life, we are made to see that it is really synonymous with desire, uh, longing, as St. Teresa of Avila would call it, the wounded ache, right? So the mystical life, the spiritual life, is about desiring God and going deeper into the interior life, going deeper into that life where we are called to detach ourselves from things so that, again, we might become more attached to God. And this is a universal thing, John. I don't care what faith you belong to. We are all called to constant conversion, which means we are all called to go deeper into the interior life, the mystical life. And so, yes, I do recommend these books written by Dan Burke, Navigating the Interior Life, and uh, St. Teresa of Avila, just to get you started. There's so many other good reads. I just know those, those are very good in how they bring in some contemporary language into it. Okay, I might recommend your book, too. A very good book, Joel Crafty, okay. Yeah. Now, I might bring up the end of Thomas Aquinas' life. Certainly Thomas Aquinas is... Um, mm. A master theologian, yes, and has been the, for the yeah, master theologian yeah, has yeah. been for a, a millennium. Now, the end of his life was quite mystical, really mm. mystical. He had apparently some insights in which he kind of had the idea that his writings uh, were not that important. There was something far, far more important yes. than his intellectual life, and he just kind of came to a, a a writing end, not not a thinking end. No, and he just wanted kind of sure. to, to be with the Trinity yes, and, and just kind of stay there. Yeah, and one of the great truths that comes to us from the end of his life is when he had that vision of our Lord and he heard our Lord speaking to him, our Lord said to St. Thomas Aquinas, Thomas, you have written of me well. What would you have as your reward? And his response was, only you, Lord. Wow. Yes, yeah, that is <laughs> Only quite you, moving. Lord. That is quite moving. And yes. it, yeah, we, and we have to appreciate that 
in some of these mystical moments, our Lord does speak to some of these saints. And is this common? Not necessarily. St. Hildegard of being in the, the other doctor of the church, female doctor of the church, we haven't really talked a whole lot about uh, this evening, is one who received apparitions. Uh, our Lord spoke to her. But it's more uncommon than common. Our Lord did speak to Thomas Aquinas and only you, Lord. Yeah, which is really what, that should be the cry of every one of us. Mm. Amen, And John. trying to get to know the Lord. I mean, we all know these, the Trinity and all-powerful, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But trying to get to know that is heavy. Well, it is the part of the spiritual life. And it isn't easy because we're trying, you know, God is way beyond, well, all of us. Yeah, yeah human reason, so we need faith. He right? says that himself. Yeah, you know, yeah right? that's right. And you know, John, when you talk about the doctrine that these great Christian thinkers uh, teach on, we always have to remember the most salient truth that they would communicate. That doctrine is never just about something, but someone, the person of Jesus Christ. We are always made to see that whatever doctrine is being taught is being taught for the sake of relationship. Whatever the doctrine may be, whether it's the incarnation, trinity, creation, uh, the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, hell, all of that is about better understanding the person of Jesus Christ, better understanding the nature of the Trinity, that we might go deeper into our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what doctrine's about. This is what all of these great Christian thinkers have, Correct, have yep. been about. We have 36 doctors of the Church, all 36 doctors of the Church. All of them, John, have put an emphasis on what it means to have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. So, yeah, doctrine is constantly pointing to the one overarching truth of God who is love. Okay. Amen. John, I'm looking up at the clock and we are out of time. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts to these last 28 months that we've, well, we've th- spent together. For, thanks for Joe uh, for letting me be on the air with you. It was something I'll never forget. And let's remember what this is all about. Yes. Uh, Amen. The mystical experience of these people trying to get closer to God and trying to be an example uh, to others of Jesus Christ in our life. Amen, John. And I do want to thank you for joining me over these past 28 months. Um, You know, I have received um, a number of emails and have been in a number of conversations where you have been a, uh, that you have been a part of because of what you have contributed. So I very much appreciate that. And I know while we wrap up our time together with this great topic of the great Christian thinkers, certainly you will join me in future programs and whatever that context may be. Yeah. As far as next week goes, I do want to hear from you. I have some of my own ideas on what I want to do next week, not only with Monday evening, but with my other evenings that are wrapping up this week. I would like to hear from you on some of your thoughts, some of your ideas. Uh, You are the listening audience, so I want to make sure I'm responding to your need, huh? Um, But as some of you have already hinted, while I will continue to reflect with similar themes, it looks like I will be heading in the direction of more a biblical study, a study that would have us actually go through a gospel or one of the epistles. So again, stay tuned. Uh, there'll be more information here in the upcoming weeks, and I do very much look forward to wherever the Spirit leads us. And so with that, John, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. 
If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.